editing fee here. Before we get started, I just want to say that there is going to be a hum on the track. I'm hoping that I will have this fixed by the next time we record. So sorry about that and enjoy the show. You're listening to Potter Nonsense, a podcast with me and Ray. Welcome to the latest episode of Potter Nonsense. I'm Ray. And I'm Fee. And today we're actually going to be doing a topic that was sent in to us by a listener. Uh, thanks to Kieran on our uh, Facebook page. Yes. Uh, asks, would it be interesting to talk about the subjects that the books don't? For example, alchemy is barely mentioned and ghoul studies is literally just one shot of the Marauder's Map in one of the movies. Hmm. Yeah, it is It is interesting to think of like what subjects Harry just didn't take. <laughs> yeah, right? I, I feel like there is a lot more that Hogwarts or the other institutions would offer mm. than what we get a snippet of. Yes. I think I'll just also get up a... Because um, I think there's a list of classes at Hogwarts, surely. Uh, yeah, I think there is. I'm doing the same thing on my thing, on my iPad. Excellent. Uh, cool. So, there are, like, your core classes. I guess in any school system there are your core classes that you have yes. to take. And then once you reach a certain uh, age or a certain year level, um, you can start to, like specialize I guess in what you want to yeah. do um, so for example by the time I got to year eight I knew I wanted to do some sciencey things and then by the time I got to year 11 I hated science so much that I ended up taking like three English classes and two music classes um, so you know your tastes change as you get older yeah when I was um for my year 12 year 11 sort of thing we um I I was good at maths when I was a kid. Um, I got worse at maths. And it, I think I also just had a teacher who, like, in year nine, I was put into, like, the upper-level maths class. But I could not follow anything that this teacher was giving me. So I'm not sure. I think that maybe he was just a bad fit for me. And then from there, I just got really behind. Anyway, so um, in SA, you are allowed to drop maths after the first semester of year 11, and I did that. <laughs> nice. Um, and, yeah, then I um, we had to have two art subjects, two science subjects, and, um, and we, could have, we would have another one from either um, category. It didn't matter which one it was from. And um, I ended up actually not getting the... I ended up not getting my... Um, uh, it was called a TER then. Um, I was in the last lot that got a TER. <laughs> um, okay. Everyone else... I, you've got your uh, O something, isn't it? I've got my... I, yeah, we don't have the OP score anymore. Yeah. Um, my brother was the last one to go through that and that finished last Does year. Does everyone just have an ATAR now? 
I don't know what it's called. Um, this is me showing my age. Uh, my sister is going through it, but I don't actually know what it is. I think it's like a field position or something, similar to what New South Wales do. Right, okay. Because I think that mm. – I'm not sure. I think that New South Wales I, – I know that um, Victoria does the ATAR as well. Um, but, yeah, I did not get one because I was doing – I initially started with biology, nutrition, drama – um, English and um, music but mm. nutrition was being taught by a completely unqualified PE teacher oh no and that was the point where I was like huh um, I have enough credits to officially graduate um, with with yeah. a SACE pass which is the South Australian Certificate of Education um, I don't really want to go to uni because I don't know what I want to do with that <laughs> so I'm just going to take the SACE pass so I dropped nutrition and ultimately my other classes were better for it but yeah I wasn't able to because I didn't have those two science credits I didn't um get my TER <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had to. I still had to keep maths, and I still had to keep one science subject. But then I did a whole bunch of crazy stuff, like do extra subjects and extra credit. And I even did a university course while I was still at high school. Can we say overachiever? <laughs> um, <laughs> trust me, I'm now a burnt out, almost thirty year old, so who's not using her uh, university degree in any well? I'm using it in some capacity, but not for its intended purpose. Uh, which is I did an undergraduate degree in psychology, uh, psych science, and I now work in retail. I mean, you work in science retail. I do. I work for an optician, so I do work in medical retail, which is a very specialised field, um, but I do deal with the general public and I deal with blind general public. Um, so, yes, I am using my psych degree in some capacity and I'm much happier than i probably would be if I actually pursued psychology um but yeah t take note of what you do and don't like when you are able to change what your career path is and that's good advice for anyone I think quite honestly I mean like look not that I am now stuck I really do enjoy my job and I enjoy the career path that I am now on. But if I was able to go back to when I graduated and go, mm, actually, I don't want to do psychology at university. I want to do creative industries. I would. So, yeah. There's life advice from Ray. <laughs> um, but so I pulled up the Harry Potter fandom wiki, which isn't Pottermore because I'm not going to touch that right now yeah um, I am a big fan of um all fandom wikias really me too because nobody knows the subject the, the subject matter oh let me start that again nobody knows the subject matter better than those who sit there and analyze it because they've got nothing better to do with their lives exactly <laughs> um so uh, first things first, all first-year Hogwarts students must take the seven core subjects, which are Transfiguration, Charms, Potions, History of Magic, Defense Against the Dark Arts, Astronomy, Herbology, and Flying is tacked on. Um, but Flying is the only one who is dropped, the only one that is dropped upon entry into second year. Mm. Um, and then it follows on with, at the end of their second year, students are required to choose a minimum of two subjects from a... a 
Mm-hmm. Math, basically. Arithmacy, yes. Arithmancy, um, I think. Arithmancy? Yeah. Either way, I hate that word. <laughs> Someone else can say it. Um, muggle studies, divination, study of ancient runes, and care of magical creatures. They cannot drop any of the core subjects, but they choose. They can choose to drop an elective. It becomes a burden. Which, of course, we know that it can, given that Hermione chose all of them. (laughs) Hermione chose all of them and then proceeded to drop divination because she found it, quote-unquote, a waste of time. Actually, that's an informal quote. I don't actually know what she said. Um, But it was heavily implied that it was a waste of time. I mean, she started out being like, this is a waste of my time. And it's like, well, then don't go. (laughs) Yes. Like, I, I think she just took it to see what it was about, which I can respect. You can't knock something until you've tried That's it. That's true. And obviously it was not for her because Hermione is a very pragmatic, uh, literal sense kind of person. Um, and someone taking divination needs to have a little bit more ability to see past reality. Yeah, it's it's, it's like how... Baking is very exact. You have to do baking exactly right. But cooking, <laughs> on the other hand. I have a funny story. I have a funny story about baking um, not being an exact science and how my beautiful, gorgeous partner used to be a pastry chef and it drives him crazy. Okay. <laughs> but no, I know where you're going with this. Yes, baking should be, unless you're following the uh, Ray morgan method of making a cake um should be very very accurate like mm-hmm. chemistry whereas cooking uh, say like a curry or something you can just uh needs a little bit more this a little bit more that a little bit more this yeah and like i mean i've i've improvised a few baking things myself but like largely <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> just follow the recipe mm. Yeah, no, I I drive him crazy if I ever attempt to bake something because my grandmother taught me to bake and she taught me to bake exactly how she cooked, which was, oh, you need approximately this much flour and like a fingertip full of baking soda (laughs) and like a pinch of salt and um, yeah, nothing in my grandmother's house was ever measured. Uh, It was all eyeballed. and. Somehow I still managed to make really good cookies and really good cakes and really good slices, uh, but it does drive him insane because he did work in London and such uh, as a pastry chef of some very high-end restaurants. And when he bakes, which he doesn't do very often because it was his job at one point, but when he does bake, the kitchen is laid out like a chemistry set where he knows where everything is and there's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so we know that these subjects can be dropped because Hermione does end up dropping divination. Um, and then further down the list, apparition lessons you had to pay for in sixth year. I think, Um, is it you have to pay for the lessons or you have to pay to take the test? Um, it says students in sixth year may also elect to take part in apparition lessons for a fee of 12 galleons. Oh, okay. Yep. 
So it's probably like the course is 12 galleons and then you don't have to pay for your test. Yeah. And I think maybe you have to then, if you don't pass your test, you have to pay for additional testing. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Sounds like. That would make sense. Sounds like getting your driver's license, which is an ordeal (laughs) if you get something wrong. Oh man, I know my poor sister failed hers by because, now she did tell me and it was a little bit bullshit, she my sister failed her driving test because she came to a four-way unmarked intersection and the person to her right started to go, uh, no, she started to go and then the person to her right was waving her through, but the rule is you've got to give way to your right at an intersection. Oh, yeah. Um, and because the person waved her through, her driving instructor was like, ah, shit. Um, so... Yeah, she failed because someone was very polite. <laughs> oh, she was very mad about it because she's like, the person was waving me through. So when they wave you through, you go. I'm like, not when you're in a test, George. <laughs> I mean, the, I was just thinking of um the theory test in which if you get something wrong involving give way, you automatically fail and have to pay another like sixty bucks. Oh, yeah, that's like our written learner's driver's test. Yeah, which I took recently and failed twice. So no. <laughs> um, I got, it, I got it the third time. <laughs> Yay. And it, it was Woo-hoo. like kind of funny because I got um like usually you'd have to come back a different day if you failed. But there was this mm. like teenage kid who he failed the test and he got really, really upset. Like, like he was just like, he was, oh, he was, he was no. crying and pacing around and calling his mom and like really, really upset. So they let him go again. So they let me go again <laughs> just because well, we made the exception for him. So, <laughs> oh. and you, you're not, you're Poor not kid. meant to communicate with each other at all during the test, but he like, like once, 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 cause he was like slightly ahead of me. He was like, I think I just passed. And I was like, good work. (laughs) That's adorable. That's so cute. Wholesome. (laughs) Very wholesome. I like Mm. that. And then, and then I had Um, to run down to spec savers before they would actually issue my license to make sure to have someone sign off that I don't need to wear my glasses when I drive. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, that's good. I, I have to wear my glasses when I drive, so I automatically tick that box. Well, mine are just – I mostly wear them for screen work. Like my, my distance my yeah. distance vision is fine. <laughs> mine is not. Everything's a blob. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, it does go on to say that there are very specialised subjects like alchemy, which can be offered in the sixth and seventh years, but will only prov- be provided if there is sufficient demand. Yes. Um, cool. So alchemy is a thing, but it only if it has sufficient demand, which is kind of a shame because alchemy sounds really cool. Yeah. And I mean, like the first book is all like a lot of alchemy comes up, mm. like just, just based on objects and stuff like that and like Nicholas Lamel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because alchemy is like a – fusion of transfiguration potions and chemistry i guess Mm. uh transmutation springs to mind 
Yeah, yeah, and like it, I, I just like to know how it how it particularly differs from the other things that are being done. Yeah, like how does it differ from potions? Yes, at potions and transfiguration. Yes, um, there is also so. Kieran did go on to hold on. Let me open it. Uh, Kieran did go on to ask what alchemy barely mentions. Oh, ghoul studies. So does the wiki does continue on down to extracurricular subjects? So art is uh, offered, which I guess would make sense considering all of the paintings move. Yeah, like there's so there is a magical element to that. Well, there's a distinct. There's a distinction between art and muggle art in the extracurricular subjects. Yeah. Mm. Um, ghoul studies, which is, a, this says, it is assumed that students learn about ghouls like poltergeists, vampires, vela, etc. How would you feel if you were a half vela learning about your kind in a study called ghoul studies? Yeah, that that's, <sighs> yeah, there's like, I don't think that – I mean, I guess that poltergeists are different to ghosts because they can interact with the world. So, like, these are definitely, like, yeah. weird semi-spirit sort of things. But, like, I wouldn't associate um, girls, poltergeists and vampires with Vila. No, see, because Vila are kind of – I guess it would be, like – they're sentient, but I guess vampires are sentient. But in the way that vampires are depicted in the Harry Potter universe, they're also like violent creatures. Yeah, I don't think that you can reproduce with a vampire. <laughs> no, if you can reproduce with a vela, then it's another. It's a. It's a sub. It's like a, another race of humanoid. Yeah, like see, yeah, right. Okay, so this is the question that I've been asking myself lately because I'm doing NaNoWriMo. And uh, I am doing a world that's set in urban fantasy, so it's as if magic never disappeared. So we've got nice. magic out in the open. Um, and this is the thing that I was asking myself, like uh, you, human, okay, the definition of human, right, as we know yes. it, is a mortal being. Well, my definition is mortal being without magical powers. And then I'm like, shit, so I've got to like create like a humanoid species that has the same rights, regulations, thoughts, uh, actions, motivation as a human, but they've got magical powers, so they're not human, but they are human because they're mortal. I mean, this is similar to the argument about mutants in the Marvel universe, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And then, and then it's like, is it another race? Do they come from a particular point in the planet? Like, yes. So I ended up settling for just calling them. Uh, just oh, I can't remember what I've called them. I've written twenty thousand words and I can't remember what I've called them. <laughs> you know what? We're just going to settle for witches because that's on the other side of the room and I'm not looking. Um, witches are a race that yeah, they're human, but they have magical powers. So they are human, but they are also not human. Mm, okay. But yes, I was very uh, reading that. I was very much like, mm, how would you feel being a half vela having to learn about? ghoul studies and learning about yourself mm. and how to defend yourself from this creature. Yeah, that's that's a whole thing. I mean, like, yeah. I just, I kind of want a list of the creatures in Harry Potter which can, like, 
reproduce in a way that doesn't end the bloodline with people. Because, like, I mean, if you look at, say, like, a horse and a donkey are closely enough related that they can have offspring, but that offspring can't reproduce. Mm-hmm. That's de- that's not the case with Vila and humans because, like, I mean, it's Fleur's grandmother is the Vila, so she's already second generation down, and then Bill and Fleur go on to have kids. Yeah, so it kind of almost becomes like a I am second generation. I'm I'm English but I am also first-generation Australian on my dad's mm-hmm. side and I've also got some, like, Irish, so mm. Celtic. I'm very, very white European. <laughs> very sorry. Um, yeah, so I've got Welsh, English, Australian, but my Australian roots trace back to Welsh, Scottish. Apparently there could be some uh, Spanish in me somewhere, but that's only because my grandmother uh, was a little bit of a promiscuous lady and lived <laughs> in Dover, and Dover was a very big seaport at the time. Oh, that's um, incredible. <laughs> so there is a high chance um, that there is some Spanish somewhere in my bloodline, but I'm not entirely sure because we don't actually know because that's how she made her money. All right, fair, fair. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, that was the best day finding that out, by the way. (laughs) Just finding out that you have an ancestor who's a sex worker. (laughs) Yeah. Like she made bank too, apparently. Nice. Um, but it's just even more funny because my granddad was so, oh yes, I'm British and I'm so upper class and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, granddad, you don't even know who your father is. So (laughs) let's not get too hasty. Uh, it's like, um. We've my my cousin's done um our genealogy and like I am a d- direct descendant from one of Anne Boleyn's aunts and like uh-huh. that one of her daughter one of that aunt's daughters and that one is the one who also had sex with Henry VIII. Okay, because cool. <laughs> um. Basically, Henry would always take a mistress when his wives were pregnant, because yeah, you weren't you weren't you weren't allowed to have sex with a pregnant woman back then. Mm, poor um, so for Anne Boleyn's second pregnancy, the, the the there's kind of a idea that she like all of her letters have been destroyed and all of that, but there is some kind of suggestion that she basically just put her cousin in Henry's path so that she would have an ally sleeping with her husband rather than someone who hates her. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> and that way she could, like, make sure that she, you know, stayed in good favour. <laughs> and that's that, absolutely fantastic. And that's one of my ancestors, Mary Shelton. So <laughs> I love that. That's so great. But the other thing is, like, I, I don't think we have a record of who her husband was, but she definitely would have had a husband because after Bessie Blount, Henry never, never had another mistress who wasn't already married because then you have, if you have an unmarried mistress, then you have to claim her kids. Yes. 
Whereas if you have a married mistress, it's like that could definitely be with someone else's, that could definitely be the husband's child. What are you talking about? Uh, so uh, that does mean that somewhere down the line of ancestry, um, someone married a cousin and that's why the Shelton name came back. <laughs> okay. So that, that's always fun. But, you know, that's just fucking England. <laughs> like, and look, it really is. Everybody's related to someone in England. Yeah. Like um, some, some of Henry VIII's wives were like distant cousins from each other. So... <laughs> Yep. Yeah. The English were very, very happy to keep it in the bloodline to the point that their bloodline was so sick. Yeah, there's never been – I don't think that any particular English dynasty lasted long enough to actually create um, any particularly fun deformities. It's it's not like – like because that's one of the things, like the English throne has changed hands so many freaking times that, like, it's, you know – everything was fairly short-lived <laughs> but like if you, it is w- there were no Habsburg chins for example <laughs> no it's very true who was that really really one of the Italian or Spanish uh Spanish that was um Charles the fifth holy Roman emperor yeah. yeah who was super deformed who was um Henry VIII's nephew by marriage Yes. Which is why um, he couldn't get his divorce from um, Catherine of Aragon because that was <laughs> um, that was her nephew and he was holding the Pope captive at the time. So the Pope was like, yeah, I can't really grant you a dispensation to divorce my captor's aunt. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we got the Church of England. <laughs> I love the Church of England. I love the story of the Church of England. <laughs> oh, but yeah, because like there was plenty. There was actually a rule against um, people who were too close cousins marrying. It was like this rule of consanguinity, and the Pope would just, you know, every time someone, every time a king was like, "Yeah, but I want to marry my cousin," they were like, "Yeah, okay, um, I'll, I'll write you permission." <laughs> Love it. Which Hen- Henry and Catherine had to get in the first place. <laughs> yes. And yes, uh, so then it was like, mm, I don't want this anymore. Can you t- can you take it back? And he's like, not right now, dude. <laughs> English, look, English history is fascinating and full of, oh, I want to do this, but I also can't. But, hey, I'm the king, so now I can. Yeah. A lot of the Pope's job was just, like, gently placating a bunch of toddlers. Yes, because England was ruled by toddlers for a very, very long time. And, like, the rest of Europe was also toddlers, let's be real. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was. Uh, Uh, Okay, well, there's tangent number how many? I don't know, but um, if anyone is interested in listening to more stuff, there's a great podcast called Tudor I Hardly Know Her. Um, <laughs> I love that name. I know, right? It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have a fairly informal approach to Renaissance history. That's a lot of fun. Excellent. I like that. Better check that one yeah. out. Um, can we put that in our show notes? Yes, show notes? yes, we can. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on. Uh, now I'm actually going to move on with what else Kieran said in the um, 
uh, thing on Facebook. Yes. Post on Facebook. Uh, what would the core focus of muggle studies be? How do muggle, muggle-borns react to the magical element of World War II? Um, well, muggle studies, I think the core focus of muddle, muddle, muddle studies. I think the <laughs> muddle studies. I think the core focus of muggle studies would literally be um, like it, informing the wizards who have grown up without contact with muggles because there are a few of them, um, informing them exactly what that is. Yeah. I, um, I feel tempted to compare it to taking foreign language classes in school because, like, you don't yes. just focus on the language. Like, that part wouldn't be brought in, obviously, for muggle studies, but, like, there'll be times where you're just studying bits bits and pieces of history or, like, customs and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it also has a lot to do, as as you've sort of already started to say, uh, muggle culture, so like muggle art and muggle music. Um, Explaining TV and, to wizard children. Yeah, and electricity, mm. like ex- the explanation of what electricity is. Um, and I feel like it's meant to be more of a positive informative light than a ha, 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 look at the muggles. Yeah, if, if the... Um, character um that we get a brief glimpse of who teaches the subject is anything to go by she's definitely like charity burbage charity burbage um yeah so but i feel like it would be beneficial for muggle studies to be taught by a muggle Mm. um it's kind of that similar aspect of having uh history of other cultures taught by someone who's from that culture yes um I always get a little bit put off I uh, at university there was an elective class that I did which was um I can't remember what it was called but it was essentially cultures from around the world every week was a different culture that we had like a hour and a half two hour lecture on and it was just like a general overview I think it was just meant to drive people into like poli sci and you know, history and things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, it was general, just a general elective. And it was really interesting. Um, but it, for the first couple of lectures, and, I mean, the first couple of lectures from what I can remember, we did like um, like the Latina, Latinx culture, and then we did the African cultures, and then it was taught by a, a middle-aged white man. Okay, of course it was. And I was like, I don't feel like I'm getting the f- – I don't feel like I'm getting out of it what I could be getting out of it because I'm not being I'm being taught by someone. Yeah, sure, he had lived in those cultures um, because he was an anthropologist, uh, but I also don't feel like I'm getting out of it what I could be getting out of it. And then we did the uh, like Asian cultures, like the East Asia up into like Russia and things like that, the like Mongolian cultures and things like that, just for lack of a better term because my brain is just not working. Um, and that was taught by people who were specifically from those cultures. And I found that way more interesting because they were able to explain from their perspective, not just an anthropological perspective, they were able to explain from personal perspective why they did certain things the way they did them. And I got so much more out of it. Okay. Yeah. Than just listening to, yeah, okay, he was an anthropologist and he dedicated his life to being passionate about other cultures but also 
I would really like to hear this from someone who's lived, grown up with the experience, not just gone there because he was fascinated by it. Yeah. And like, I'm sure there are lots of very well-meaning people who do go into those cultures, but like at the same time, it, it's more valuable to learn directly from the source. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's that firsthand experience of having someone say, I grew up in the middle of the Amazon in a very uh, sheltered community. Uh, she was fascinating to listen to talk to oh, as well. Oh, I bet. Um, she was so fascinating to listen to. I loved her because she was just this beautiful woman who was just talking about growing up without any interaction with, you know, Western or Eastern cultures until she was about 20. Okay. Um, and she was like, oh, I think she was probably like mid forties when she was talking to us. And this was like a good 10 years ago, but she was fascinating. Yeah, I bet. Um, cause you don't really understand when someone says, oh, I grew up not ever having seen a white person until I was 20 until you're like, oh yeah, you lived in literally like the Amazon. Mm. So, yeah. So I feel like muggle studies is one of those subjects that should be taught by someone who is a muggle. Muggle or muggle born. There's so many muggle or muggle born. Yeah. Cause I feel like there are so many things that we do mm. as muggles in quotation marks that would just, you just don't, exp, you don't know how to explain them. Like I flick a light switch and the electricity comes on. Obviously I know where the electricity comes from and such, but also I flick a light switch and it comes on magic. <laughs> yeah. I don't think about it. Yes. Um, I think that it would be valuable for muggle studies to include fashion. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Although I can 100% imagine the fashion being very out of date. <laughs> Depending on who was uh, teaching the subject at the time, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, just going by how, like, wizards think it's good to dress. Although that could also be, like, they were told what to if they did take muggle studies, they just think that the dress is going to be exactly the same as when what they were told when they were in high school, but now they're like 43. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So, like, even if your teacher is 100% on the pulse of, like, what's in vogue, um, yeah, that that's going to be unlikely to still be going on when um, they're using it. <laughs> yep. Actually, I think that that would yeah. be like an interesting thing to try to explain to wizard kids as well, like how quickly things change in the muggle world because the wizarding world seems very stagnant. Oh, absolutely. It, it it's I feel like that has a lot to do with the internet. Yes. The internet changes so fast mm, and before the internet there was just constant changes in technology as we were learning things because we have motivation to learn and improve we don't have magic yes true yeah exactly we've we've had to figure out these things real quick mm. uh yeah um i'm just trying to think of something else that buggle studies would cover but there's so many things it's like that that meme that goes around of like it, explain simple human function to an yes. alien <laughs> like 
when I'm hungry, my stomach makes a noise to tell me that I'm hungry. Or like uh, when when I'm sad, these thi- like this salt water leaks from my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just things that are like, oh, that's crying. Or your tummy's rumbling because you're hungry. It's like explain that to someone so something that has never experienced crying before or never experienced a grumbling stomach before or even never experienced like – I don't know, when you're a baby and you lose your teeth and then another one grows, comes through. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> it just seems so simple to us. And yet when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds totally crazy that all your teeth fall out at one point in your life but more grow through. Yeah, and also that like all of our bones are on the inside except for the teeth. Yeah, and nails because <laughs> they're, they're – kind of Uh, nails uh, are more closely related to hair than bone hair yeah but still Mm. like still weird still weird because like electronics specifically don't work at hogwarts um they do work in other parts of the wizarding world that are more spaced out i imagine that like Maybe like yours, your you have a seventh year Muggle studies trip to like visit the Muggle world and like go see a movie. Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> and like maybe they, maybe they start them with like um, they they like sixth year. It's you go on a like excursion thing but like you end up in a room that is just you guys and you watch watch a movie on tv so that you can be prepared to like not try to talk to the movie when you go to the cinema (laughs) because I imagine like if you've grown up with like the the wizarding pictures and all of that which like will interact back with you like the tv you'd expect the tv to talk to you yeah (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like it's, it's stuff that people have never experienced before. Mm. Experiencing them for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's kind of cool when you think about it. (laughs) Um, kind of like why, why people become like primary school teachers so that they can blow these little kids minds. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, Casey, who does um, Downton Down Under with me, she is a primary school teacher, and like she she's she had older primary students, and she was like reading War of the Worlds to them, and then realized is this too scary? Like when she was already like three quarters of the way in, and was like just quietly editing it as she went because like I mean they're they're like eleven and twelve, so it's not that bad, but it's like. Yeah. It's not that scary, but also. Yeah, it was just, you know, there's a fair few, like, descriptions of people dying and she's like, shit, shit, have I I made a mistake here? Yeah. Maybe a little bit, but also they're going to be exposed to worse on the internet anyway. Mm. So um, there's the second part of Kieran's question about muggle studies is the inverse which is how muggle borns react to the magical element of world war ii which i think ties in with the whole um what 
we can expect to see from the Fantastic Beasts franchise going forward. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered what I was going to say. Back when we were talking about Vila and like creatures that humans can reproduce with. In the second Fantastic Beasts movie, there is a half elf. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to remember. Harry Potter elves are not like Lord of the Rings elves, are they? I'm. It's a house elf. Oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh no! Oh come so like, on! So like, um, did they really go there? Yeah, they did, and the, nothing is said about it. It's just a half elf that just is is in the thing, and it's like Credence's um, n- nurse. Uh, from like when he was a baby and like it's the one linked to finding out who his parents are and like she is unceremoniously killed at the end of the scene and they don't like get to learn anything from her about uh, like who no. her family who his family really was I am um but yeah whoever his family was fucked in a house elf the, it was hold on I've just googled it Corvi- Corvus Lestrange senior mm oh man Mm. God damn it. This, see, this is just cementing me never, ever watching those movies. Fantastic Beast number one made me feel super uncomfortable. And I just, oh, man, come on. Yeah, it does add, like, the having sex with a house elf is just morally worse than having sex with a vela because, um... your slave can't consent to you like let's (laughs) it's okay sorry I just read um in 1990 some of the Ravenclaw students including Robert Hilliard speculated that Phileas Flitwick was part elf because of his stature and in fact he was part goblin yes I did know that so humans can definitely interbreed with Vila goblins and house elves oh man but yeah it's (sighs) There's no, because I don't think there are any, like, aside from Dobby, there are no free elves. There's no way to look at this in a way that it is not, like, a Sally Hemming situation. Uh, no, that's true. That makes for, me for, so just... For those who may not know, uh, Sally Hemings was the quote-unquote mistress of Thomas Jefferson, uh, one of the founders of America. Uh, she was a slave. She was also the half-sister of his wife. He was because, a great guy. Yeah. Um, mm. So they had multiple children together, and we call this rape, just, just to be 100% clear. This is not, like, there's no way that she can give consent. There was, he actually tricked her into returning to America, because he took her to France. He tricked her into coming back to America by saying that, um, if she came back with him, he would free their children. He did not. No. Why would he? Hmm. That would be decent. No. <laughs> okay, so we've got yeah. we've got a half breeds. We've got half elves, half goblins, half Vila. giant. Oh, uh, half, half giants, of course. Vila. Uh 
Uh, hold on. Let's half, let's not half get in. vampire. Nope, half vampire is a thing. Oh, okay. Uh, I just want to say let, let's not get into how Hagrid was conceived. Oh yeah, no. I you know what? <laughs> I once accidentally thought that thought when I was a small child, and it scarred me for life. Spelunking. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to formally apologize. You should. For what I have done. Go and, go and sit in the corner and think about what you've done. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So, um, I think that the episode title might be spelunking question mark. I was, I was literally just heard to say that. I think it should be. <laughs> Because no one will, no one will guess where that is from <laughs> until it is too late. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay. Yeah. So moving. Let's move along from that. <laughs> Do let's. What were, what were we talking about? Um, it was a history um, from the wizarding perspective for Muggleborns. Right, yes. And, like, partially I want to say that the Muggleborn kids do not react because they have got the most boring history professor of all time in spite of the fact that history of magic should be the most fascinating subject of all. Man, I would love to take history of magic. Mm, I would not like to take it from Professor Binns. No, who literally died and then just kept teaching. Yeah, I think that, like... Dumbledore ha- definitely has a legal recourse to say, um, you can't teach this subject anymore. He just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, look, we've we've covered all the many reasons why Dumbledore is terrible. Yeah, let we we be we don't need to go much further with that. But yeah. Um Professor Binns, hot take should be fired. Or put to rest, even. Just just Ah, I could not think of anything more worse than dying at my job and then continuing there for the rest of eternity. Yeah. Also, like, is new tangent, is Professor Binns the only um, Hogwarts ghost that died at Hogwarts? I feel like Peeves did, and so did Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, but is Peeves, oh, of course Moaning Myrtle, but is Peeves actually, like, someone that was a person once? I think I feel like poltergeists always start out as a person and then they probably kind of like a grudge in Japanese folklore mm. that they there's something that's died in a terrible circumstance. Yeah, I mean he's like a jester, so who knows what happened to him. Yeah. Like he's he's cuz he exists in full color is the main thing that I'm like is it actually like a spirit of someone who is dead? Maybe. You would think so, though. I'm pretty sure. Unless J.K. Rowling has just created her own new version of Poltergeist, which, okay, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure a Poltergeist is, was once a, mm-hmm. a person uh, turned to spirit which had unfortunate circumstances surrounding their death, mm-hmm. violent circumstances surrounding their death. Yeah, it's, a, it's an angry spirit. Like that's, that's the yeah. lore as we are aware of it, but, like, we don't know what changes jk rowling has made but um for 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 expedience yes it's the spirit of someone who has died 
Yeah, I'm going to guess that he died on the property at least once. At least once. He can mm. only die once. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, necromancy, not a thing in the Harry Potter universe. Although, like, what use for a jester? So Hogwarts was in the Ravenclaw family before it was a school. I don't think like generally having a jester was a royalty thing yeah maybe they had maybe they had royals over one day yeah and the um i get i guess that the that the jester could die anywhere especially especially yeah. since jesters were usually just men were just usually neuroatypical people who were being exploited for being a bit weird yes that is true. So, and, you know, there are some conditions that result in people dying quite young. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pay that. Or maybe it was just a student that just really liked to dress up as a jester. Also possible. <laughs> let's go with that. I like that a little bit better. Yeah. They were just this weird, eccentric, kooky kid. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. That's better than him being an actual jester from the medieval period. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. That's my new headcanon anyway. Sounds good. <laughs> um, okay. So um, what are we doing? What's next? Uh, right. So uh, does the art classes have – sorry. Does the art class have specialized spells or just controlled application of other ones like the cutting curse? I mean, I know that we do get references to – there's a specific potion that you develop your fo- your photographs in to make them move. So, yeah, rather than the, like, silver nitrate solution that was used in old cameras, I don't know if that's still the case. I don't think so because um, I think that's a black and white thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I imagine that, um, yeah, it would just be a different thing that you dip the – photo paper into yeah I feel like the paintings though the ones that aren't actual photographs would probably have some kind of spell either on the paint or the canvas or Mm. there would have to be some kind of intention behind the painting when you painted it maybe something like much like you've got the solution for the photos is it in the paint itself like something that um is added in the manufacture of the paint maybe maybe I feel like though if you were painting uh like a like the Hogwarts portraits like the headmaster's portraits Mm -hmm. there would need to be some sort of spell that you could put their like memory into or essence into so that the, it moved and talked and walked like it used to yeah yeah that makes sense mm. yeah so like I, f- I feel like yes there would have to be some kind of magic involved um in painting mm. but otherwise the photograph is just like a spell yeah, I mean, the photos don't talk. They just kind of repeat a certain action, yeah. don't they? Yeah, they're kind of like a boomerang. Yeah. 
or like that thing, like a, a much um, longer version of that thing when you take a picture on your iPhone and like when you're scrolling through your things, like you see the little movement before and after. Oh, yeah, the live shot. Yeah. I like those. I've got some good ones of those. Mm, most of most of the ones that I've got like just involve the cat swishing her tail a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few good ones of people. Oh, yeah. Um, like the stupid things that they do before and after. But I really do like boomerangs, which mm. is basically the same thing, but. Just longer. Yeah. I took some really cool live shots of uh, jellyfish the other day. Okay, nice. They look really cool. Um, but, yeah. Oh, no, I've got a really good one and i got to figure out how to loop it. I went to the aquarium and I watched a girl feed a sea lion and I managed to take a live shot and the still shot is her face like letting go as the sea lion jumps out of the water and splashes her. But like the live shot is like the exact moment she realizes this thing is coming up out of the water oh, at, no. and she like lets the fish go. It's really funny. I've got to figure out how to turn it into a loop. I know there's a way. Um, but yeah, so uh, magic, definite art would definitely need to have a magical element considering what they do with yeah. their art. Yeah, it'd have to be like. The last point that Kieran brings up is what would a competent divination professor do? I I don't feel like Trelawley was particularly incompetent. I did not realise she was drunk, <laughs> as we covered last session. Um, I don't think she was particularly incompetent. I feel like she could just be less drunk. I think that one of the main issues with divination is that there is definitely a aptitude issue involved mm. with it. So, like... I'm not sure that it's an issue of making sure that um, there's there's a different teacher because again, Trelawney was a seer. It's just that she wasn't necessarily as able to command it as her. I think it was her grandmother who was the seer before her in the family. Yeah, and I mean that could come down to uh, that could come down to her feeling inadequate compa- in comparison. It could. Um, like she never quite feels like she's going to live up to her famous seer of an aunt, uh, grandmother, grandmother. Mm. Um, she never quite feels like she can live up to her. Uh, so she just kind of dumbs herself down. It's probably like a confidence issue as well, I think. Yeah. And I wonder if the alcohol makes her worse. Probably. Although, to be fair, if she's seeing things like grims and dead people and things like that, the alcohol might be numbing it. Yeah, so that's that's sort of like what I was thinking, like is she less effective because she drinks so much but does she drink so much because she sees some really fucked up shit? Probably. Like there are, uh, so, uh, there are a lot of anecdotal reports of people who are attached in some way to the other side uh, who – drink heavily because it it numbs their their gift mm. I guess you could say whether or not you believe in that that's perfectly fine 
all up to you and everything. Um, and now, but- now I'm just thinking of Klaus from um, Umbrella Academy. Yes. Yeah, that's what made me think of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what made me think of it. Because Klaus Cla- sees dead people and it upsets him. So he's just like, well, I'm just going to get off my tits. <laughs> Pretty much. He's a human Ouija board. He did also have to deal with the ramifications of his father's terrible, terrible abuse of him. Um, yeah. But this is not an Umbrella Academy uh, podcast, although I would be down for that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh... um, but, yeah, so, I mean, there's probably a chance that she had a lot of pressure from – society it's that whole effect of you're the younger sibling coming through school and all the teachers are expecting you to be like that older sibling yeah I went to school with a girl whose older sister was like crazy levels genius um crazy crazy level genius like she was very very intelligent girl very dedicated very hard working and my friend was not she was an artistic sort of free love kind of girl and Every teacher we had, I remember hearing them from like grade five to grade 12. Oh, couldn't you be more like your sister? Oh, Jesus. Yep. And I think it got to about grade nine and I just remember thinking she's a different person. Her sister is like borderline autistic with the way she is so focused on things and uh, my friend's uh, the whole thing was she loved art and she loved to read and she loved music and she was just comparatively to the teachers a flake. Mm. And that really, really affected her. I imagine it would. And um, I'm just thinking of um, there's uh, the podcast Still Buffering which has um, three sisters on it and one of them is like significantly younger than the others. Um but, like, the older sister is a doctor now and the um, middle sister is an artist. Mm. So I imagine there might have been a similar level of, like, why can't you be more like Sydney? <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, well, I mean, not even the girl I went to school with, one of my friends uh, in my current group of friends now, um, very happy with her life, does all her own thing, but she's still at, like, late 20s, gets compared to her older sister who is a uh, a doctor at the moment like she's a doctor yeah yeah and, and she's just kind of like I don't understand why my mother just can't let it go <laughs> that I do my own thing and my sister does her own thing because we're separate people yeah it's it's so I feel like Trelawley's problem could stem from the fact that she uh, was the granddaughter of this famous seer she started having the power and then the pressure got there. Mm. The pressure was there and the pressure was, oh, you're a seer like your grandmother, you're going to be great. Yeah, yeah, that could and very that, you much. Know, okay, some people can arise to that occasion and be like, yeah, I'm just like my grandmother, I'm going to be just as good and they can get the confidence bolstered in them. But other people can be torn down by the comparison. Mm. The foresee the the perceived want for everybody – sorry, hold on. What am I trying to say? The Everybody else's expectation for them – Expectations. That's the word I'm looking for. Holy shit. Everybody else's expectations can either make or break a person. Yeah. But um, I was thinking that maybe like – so I guess that tea leaves and um, – 
I guess I don't know if tarot is involved at all, but like that kind of like cards-based divination, like those are things that you wouldn't necessarily need to have a specifically a mind attuned to the um, other side, I guess. No, I mean, people may have a natural affinity for tarot cards or rune stones or uh, tea leaves or something, which is why I think the first couple of classes or the first year of classes is just your general overview of tarot, crystal ball. Mm. Um, but I, I feel like you might struggle with a crystal ball if you're not particularly inclined towards divination and maybe the real issue is that they need to assess aptitude over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ra- it's, it's rather like than, whole... um, yes, because then otherwise you've got Harry and Ron who don't have the aptitude sitting in that class for three years learning nothing. Yeah, well, it's like um, it's it's like what it's always been called, things like the veil or the second sight or the gift, the mm. shining, if we want to go with Stephen King version. I think that um, Trelawney calls it the inner eye. The inner eye, yes, yeah. Um, everybody's going to have different varying levels of that because like art or science, your brain, everybody's brain is patterned differently. Mm. Some people are just so focused on structure and rigidity that science is perfect for them because it is all about science and rigidity. Even though there are lots of gray areas in science, there are some streams of science that if you mix this chemical with this chemical, this is going to happen. Yes. Um, whereas things like art is interpretation and you've got to be a little bit more open to interpretation and you've got to be a little bit more open to someone going, well, I see that you see it this way, but however, when I see it, this is what I see. I think it, like anything, it comes down to the individual. But Mm. yes, an aptitude test for divination definitely would be needed. You can only do this subject if you have the aptitude for it. Yes, or at least if you take it in, like anyone can take it in third year, but like you're assessed over the course of that year to determine if you can progress any further. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, divination at the end of the day is one of those things. You either got it or you don't. Yeah. You can be interested in it and you can and you can like it, but you're not going to do very well if all you see in tea leaves is tea leaves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I would love divination. I love all of that stuff. Hmm. I mean, I've got two decks of tarot cards somewhere. <laughs> Oh, I've got I've got a really nice deck of tarot cards and my partner's mum, who I'm pretty sure is a bona fide witch, like I love her. She's great. Um, but that woman knows things that no no one should know. <laughs> she's she's very connected. And I have seen her grow just, it, just uh, a whole garden overnight. It's nuts. Oh wow. <laughs> she's lovely. Oh, there is that woman is connected to the universe in ways that I will I would have, could only dream of being connected to the universe. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I feel like I, I don't. I mean, I, I have my suspicions that my partner's parents use black magic because they can grow mangoes in South Australia. What? That's a tropical fruit. Yeah, yeah, they grow it in their backyard. Huh. There you go. Yeah, they've sold their soul to someone. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I don't necessarily think Trelawley was an incompetent teacher. I just think she was drunk. I mean, she. I don't think she was an incompetent seer. She might not have been a competent teacher, though. That's actually a good point. <laughs> yeah, because if you are but, dr- I mean, if you are drunk, you cannot teach. <laughs> no. So yes, um, a much more mentally healthy Trelawney might have been a good teacher, but. Um, being good at a thing doesn't necessarily mean you can teach it well. No, exactly. And and this is a thing. Not everybody is a teacher. Mm. Not everybody is a teacher. I know people who are the best in their field and yet them trying to explain to me what they do or teach me what they do, it, huh, falls flat. They just can't teach. Yeah. Um, I have had some amazing teachers and I've had some terrible teachers that you just think why are you doing this this is bad Mm. um so yeah I don't necessarily think Trelawley was terrible she was eccentric which is kind of what most divination people who perceive the other side are a little bit eccentric in some way shape or form uh but I think it was just an exaggeration of that yeah yeah, I think that there was a level in which she was hyping up her connection because she felt insecure about it. The last little section in Karen's post on our Facebook page was says, one of the fanfics I've read suggests that Hominum Revilio is actually a divination spell and that the field includes all information gathering techniques and not just seeing the future, which would make it useful for potions as there was an ingredient identifying ingredient identifying spell in half-blood prints and healing at the very least okay so actually i i do quite like that interpretation of divination it gives it a little bit more yeah Um, especially it's like it's it's not specifically the future all of the time either like you part of part of divination is just the ability to see things that the an average person would be unable to see. Yeah, well, the practice of divination is to seek knowledge of the future, so it's fortune-telling, I Mm. guess, in a way. Um, But I guess a divining rod is something to use to find water, Mm. so it is seeking something. And uh, – there is a D&D thing that I'm going to bring up here. Give me a second. <laughs> Man, there's a spell in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, hold on. No, it's a divination wizard. So divination wizards can use all of their spell slots. Mm, hold on. There's more to the divination. Anyway, uh, let me find this and we will continue discussing what we were discussing. Hmm. We did lose our connection for a moment there. So, um. Yeah, we we had a very uh, panicked moment of, oh, God, we've lost Sophia's version of the recording. Which, you know, I, uh, how bad that would be is really dependent on your point of view. <laughs> Maybe you want to hear Ray having a completely one-sided discussion about this. It would be uh, kind of hilarious 
and make me sound like a crazy person. It'd be like that episode of Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Which one? Um, the first Weeping Angels one. Oh, yeah, with Sally Sparrow. Yes, Sally Sparrow. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just thinking of okay, um, so- other mm. other um, classes that we didn't get to see. Like what even happens in arithmancy? Like magical properties of numbers. Is it just maths? Like is there more to it? Look, if you have ever spoken to anyone who loves maths in any capacity, uh, they will tell you that maths is magic. That is true. <laughs> I, I personally don't believe it because maths was created by the devil. Um, that is my only answer to that one. Um, <laughs> I fucking hate math so much and I did so much of it at university. Um, okay, so in D&D, sorry to just deviate away from Harry Potter for a second, but in D- Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the wizard school of divination is uh, obviously a school that your wizard character can go down, a path that your wizard character could go down, um, and he strives to part the veil of space, time, and consciousness so that you can see clearly. You work to master spells of discernment, remote viewing, supernatural knowledge, and foresight. So it really is – it really is – an interpretation of finding things. Mm. So Kieran's um, whole thing with it's, you know, it's a healing trait. It's also a knowledge trait and a finding trait. That That's, you know, quite accurate. Yeah. Uh, if you think of like alternative things like clairvoyant, like yep. just that just means clear vision. So. Yep. Mm. Um, because in the divination spells that you can choose from in Dungeons and Dragons, it's got things like guidance, um, which you can, yeah, it's, it's a touch spell. You touch one willing creature once before the spell ends, the target can roll a D4 and add the number rolled to an ability check. So it's kind of like you're helping them. You've got comprehend languages, which is you understand the spoken language around you. Um, all of these detect magic. Um, so it's not just you're like using your brains. Obviously there's a detect thought one there and things like that, but it's more, it's more finding things. So Dungeons and Dragons have taken the sense and the meaning of divination as finding. Okay. Yep. Which I mean, divining rods are to find water. Do you think that Hufflepuffs are better at divination? Because they're particularly good finders. Yes, yes, that's that was the point I was making there. Yes, <laughs> excellent. I'm so glad. What the <laughs> hell is a Hufflepuff? Um, God, I love uh, a very Potter musical. It's very good. <laughs> oh, it's just so funny. Uh, I, I do, lo- I do love that video of um, Tom Felton being told about it and like reacting <laughs> to it. It's like she rolls around a lot. She? She? <laughs> um, my, I think my favourite from that is Ginny Weasley. She's Ginny Weasley's, oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> Southern Cho Chang. Southern Cho Chang. Bitch, I ain't Cho Chang. Hi, y'all. That's, that's Lavender Brown, racist sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, it's just so good. It's just like 10 years later and it's still so great. <laughs> <laughs> and now 
Darren Chris has quite a decent like film and um, TV career. He does, but you know what? He still chills with those guys. He went to Brian's wedding. Okay, the other day. All like right. It well, popped I up mean, on Instagram. I mean, plenty of people are still friends with the people they went to college with, and that was the thing. It was a college project. Yeah, I know, but it like it makes me it makes me really happy that Daniel. Daniel Radcliffe, wrong Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, what's his name? You just said it. Darren Chris. Oh, Darren Chris. Um, it makes me really happy that Darren Chris, it like did do so well for himself, but still stays like true to his friends. Yeah, I like that. I like when you see instances like that. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I'm yeah. just remembering that when Kieran actually joined the group. Um, he also asked um, that group being Posh and Nonsense uh, podcast at Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. He also asked, like, what the hell is ancient runes? <laughs> ancient runes. Okay. Well, the study of runes is a Celtic thing. Hmm. The, um, uh, the-, the description on the Phantom Wikia is that the study of ancient runes is the theoretical subject that studies ancient runic scripts. It is taught by Professor Bathshida Babbling mm. and it is an elective course. <laughs> so, yeah. so runes are uh, the letters of the runic alphabet. Um, they it's a Germanic uh, language. Although it doesn't, it, was... it doesn't look like it's the runes that we would have in our world. No. So, like, obviously they're talking about the ancient runic system. So, mm. but the point of runes was, again, prophecy and uh, poetry and really I think ancient runes should come under uh like divination if it's that sort of thing because like you could scribe and you can use runes to predict your future or to tell you what things are wrong spiritually which Um, is which is interesting since Hermione compares it favorably to divination which is which is why I feel like Hermione went into divination expecting it to be a bunch of hocus pocus but went into ancient runes seeing it as the historical side of an ancient language. Yeah, I re- I reckon that she brought her own preconceived notions to this and then used her confirmation bias. Yeah, because I mean, the word rune literally means letter. Yes. Um, so I mean, a lot of and uh, runes hold a lot of power. Like the runes themselves hold a lot of power. Hmm. Um. Like. You've just got to take, hold on, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, you've just got to take, like, um, Anzu is an Isa god. Uh, it means prosperity and vitality. Uh, Wunjo, which is the one that looks like a pea, means joy, uh, ecstasy. Um, you can combine runes together as well to make your own sort of, they're called bind runes. So you can create your own rune for protection or you can create your own rune of um, love or things like that. So runes are symbols uh, that hold the magic holds the symbol. No, the symbol holds the magic, sorry. Mm. Um, Because from 
say, taking the rune of, uh, for example, Bakanan, which is birch, it means fertility and growth, and then adding it to like the Inguaz, which is another one meaning fertility and actualization of potential, there you have a rune for your child that means uh, you've come into this world going for your and you need to achieve your potential. Obviously, I'm just making that up off the top of my head. My mother-in-law is very, very good at runes, like okay. crazy good at runes. So I'm, I'm learning slowly, but tarot cards I picked up a lot quicker. Uh, runes I'm taking a little bit more time because there is so much crunchy history to them. Um, but I think Hermione's whole thing, ancient runes is the study of a language Mm. and what that language means to magic, whereas divination to her would be a little bit of hocus-pocus because you've got to be able to see past that third eye and past that veil. Yes. Yeah, I think that the runes might seem a lot more concrete to her when Mm. applied in a magical sense, and then obviously there's also the sense in which it's she's translating texts. Yes, exactly as well. I also feel like she may find runes a little bit more concrete because a lot of wand movement is based on runic symbolism. Mm. Um, a lot of the wand movements that obviously have been come, have been taught, I mean, have been created for visual aspect of the movies. Um, a lot of them are straight lines or swirls. Yes. And that is very runic as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I think we should wrap this up before the internet dies again. <laughs> yes, yes. But this was a this was a very fun question, and I really hope we have answered everything. We did have a lot to discuss on this podcast, which was which was real cool. Yes. Um. So, like always, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter if you've got any questions that you want us to discuss or any ideas that you want us to discuss please leave them for us um yes um thank you so much to kieran for sending this one to us yeah absolutely this was great thank you and um you can find me at raven.com i also run the bronze peak media twitter and um yes as, as mentioned i will also be available on the facebook group you can find me at Twitter at Ray is a writer, R-A-E is a writer. Uh, mostly my Twitter is used for out-of-context quotes from my D&D group and or authors that I really like to follow. Um, but, yeah, if you hit me up on there, I still get the notifications. So, you know, go for it. And, yeah, so that brings us to the end of our podcast. Mischief managed. Mischief managed. Toodles. Potter Nonsense is a production of Bronze Pig Media and is recorded in Queensland and South Australia. If you liked the show, please rate, review and subscribe so that others can find us. You can contact us on Twitter at Bronze Pig Media or by email at bronzepigmedia at gmail.com. Bronze Pig Media. Oink! <laughs>